Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode six of Pickskin's Picks. My name is Ryan, and this is my co-host, Dave. And today, for this week's episode, we will be going over the AFC North. Some would say is the toughest division in football, but we're going to be breaking down all four teams and their over-unders for wins on the season, as well as who we think is going to come out on top in the division. So, Dave, do you mind taking us away? with the first team we're going to talk about in the AFC North. I would absolutely love to. Actually, they're the newest team from uh, age when it comes to the AFC North, and that is the Baltimore Ravens, the team that just made Lamar Jackson the highest-paid player in the NFL. Um, Actually, it's kind of funny that I mentioned that because that is, from an addition standpoint, I know it's not an addition, but... The re-signing of Lamar is my biggest off-season move that the Ravens have made. Signing him to that mega five-year, $260 million deal. It locks him up long-term. It shows that the Ravens are committed to him. And now going forward, they know, hey, Lamar's happy. Hopefully he'll play better and uh, stay healthy. So we'll have to see what happens there. But let me just back up real quick. And we're just going to mention, currently at Vegas, they have their over-under at 10.5 on FanDuel at minus 102. 10 on BetMGN at minus 120, and 9.5 on Caesars at minus 165. I love that. I love that 9.5 line. Absolutely love 9.5. I mean, they went 10-7 and last year. so like And they got better. And they got better. So you'll notice that there's a few teams that um, they're over-unders in this division particularly. You know, you got to pay a little bit more for the juice, but their over-unders are exactly where they were last year. And it's like, all right, well, the North is, in my opinion, the toughest division in football. I mean, we're looking at... All four teams, Ryan, could, not saying they will, but could win double-digit games. And that's just, to me, absolutely mind-blowing because you can't all make the playoffs. I was going to say the sad part is you win 10 games and go 10-7 and seven and you don't make the playoffs. No. A lot of teams consider that a successful season, but um, I would say going 10-7 and seven and making the playoffs and not making the playoffs would absolutely suck. Yeah. But... Back to the Ravens. Obviously, um, like I said, Lamar is the addition. A not as big addition, because I'm going to let Ryan take the other super big name that they acquired, um, that the Ravens made. And I like it just because it's more of depth. Uh, he did spend some time in New England. Um, he wasn't great. He had a couple like little flashes here and there. Totally not worth the contract, but we won't get into that. Is uh, Nelson that. Aguilar signing a one-year $3.25 million deal. It's really cheap. In my opinion, really cheap for a guy who he's not going to start for the Ravens. At least I don't think he's going to start for the Ravens. But, like, he will play some meaningful snaps. And he will also uh, contribute here and there. You know, you're not really paying him all that much. And it just gives depth because I feel like the Ravens, before this coming season, for the last at least five years, their receiving core has been kind of terrible. As well as they can't stay healthy. So, like, getting hit Nelson at such a cheap deal... I do say I like that because it's like, hey, you know, it's a Nelson, you may end up playing more down the line because, you know, Bateman can't stay healthy or, um, you know, Odell could have something happen to him again. Hopefully not. But just again, it's a good piece to like build out uh, a wide receiver room that's been kind of terrible over the years. So it's again, just gives uh, them that. And also Nelson, it's got speed. You know, that's one thing I can say. He may have butterfingers, but he does have the speed at least to get himself open. So we'll see what happens there. 
Um, now moving on to departures, uh, I got two big ones. Now I'm going to put it right now. They're both older guys, so I get why the Ravens moved on, but I also don't get why the Ravens moved on. I feel like is, I feel like a lot of guys in the Ravens that left uh, were on the older side. Yeah, you I know, I, I I get it. You know, oh, we get younger, but I look at. These older guys, production was insane. If you actually look at where it came from, the first one is Justin Houston. Yeah, I get it. He's 34. He only played 14 games last year, but he led the team in sacks and nine and a half. Um, and this is a guy who's just over his whole entire career. Justin Houston may be one of the most underrated pass rushers of his generation. Guy has 111 career sacks, and like he still has stuff in the tank. It's like, oh, you kind of forget. Like he had a 22 sack season. Uh, way back, I believe, in twenty fourteen with the Chiefs, he's just consistently. Though, I think he has six double digit sack seasons. Like, just again, never the flashiest sack guy, but hundred sacks is a pretty good number. Um, and again, he's thirty four, so I get he's older. Ravens though said, "Hey, we're gonna move on from him," which is fine. It's just you gotta find someone now to make up ten sacks. It's a lot. And the reason this is that's a lot is because the other guy they let go was. Uh, Clyde Campbell, who's even older at 36, but Campbell was tied for second on the team in sacks with five and a half. So you're now you're looking at 15 and a half, 16 sacks between those two guys that you have to make up for. And I know they made some draft picks, they made some moves, but I, to me that that's just a lot of pressure on the quarterback because that's not just that they had 16 sacks; it's that they also caused pressure. That now you have to find guys, and I'm. Would be worried more if it was another team other than the Ravens, because the Ravens, just in their history, have always seemed to have found guys who can rush the quarterback. They find these guys in the fourth and fifth round, or they find them at these small community colleges. They just have for, forever have found guys that are able to cause havoc. And they do have a, 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 a pretty good linebacking core, so I'm not super worried there. Uh, moving on, I'm going to move to some draft picks. Now, again, they only had six draft picks. But they made the most of it. Now, I know I said in the last episode, I try to highlight guys who are not necessarily the first-round picks, but I have to highlight the first-round pick by the Ravens because, to me, it's a home run hit. If he can play up to his ability, this, this is a home run. And it's, it's Zay Flowers. Um, you know, we loved him in our draft process. Ryan and I kept saying, like, this guy is just a crisp route runner who's, again, a little smaller I think he's almost like a Wondell Moore, but better. And now you're going to put him as the number two on the team because I think he all will hop Bateman, Rashad Bateman off the bat. And he may be behind Odell. But it's going to be interesting. The Ravens are going to have firepower outside of Mark Andrews because that's the only guy that they've had that have been consistent over the last five years. So absolutely love that. I mean, they had an absolute great college career at BC. He had 200 catches for over 3,000 yards, 29 touchdowns. And what to me, his biggest thing is his yards per catch. He averaged over 15 in his career, yard per catch, Oof. which is really saying something because that, that's a that's a really good yak. Especially uh, especially playing at Boston College. I mean, I, I, they're not pulling in five stars and four-star quarterbacks. So. No. Not at all. And for him to put up that kind of numbers, especially week in and week out, and I know the ACC is not the SEC or the Big Ten, but the ACC is still a good conference, and teams know that's your only weapon, and he still put up the numbers he put up. It's going to be a nightmare, I think, for teams to figure out, like, hey, we're going to slow Odell down. Because if Odell can come back and look like he was when he was on the Rams even, 
that's just he'll put up over a thousand yards and talk about a great year. Um, it's gonna be interesting. I think we're gonna see a shift. Obviously, the Ravens, who've been such a run dominant team, I think we are seeing a shift to they should be more pass happy. They're still gonna get a lot of runs, and don't get me wrong, but they're definitely gonna move to throw the ball a little more. And that's why Lamar makes a joke throwing for six thousand yards. And I don't think he'll throw for six thousand yards, but I think he's throwing for well over four thousand, which would be a career high for him. Um, another pick they made. And I just love it because of the value. And this is a six-round pick, pick 199. Could he be the next Tom Brady? I don't know. And that is the Oregon tackle. I'm going to try to say his name right. It is very long and very difficult. Why uh, would you do this to yourself? Mulai Sau Amoy Laulu. I'm sorry. I looked up how to pronounce it. I probably botched the heck out of that. But... He's just enormous, Ryan. He is 6'6", 320. I just don't get Like, I know I am a small dude. I'm 5'7", I'm 5'8", five, five, on a good day. And, like, I know that. But, like, where the hell do these people come from? I mean, just enormous people. Like, what, what is in the water they're drinking? Or what is in the food they're drinking? I don't know, man. But the cool thing about him is, as a six-round pick, he should be the starting left guard for the rim. Next to Ronnie Stan- um, Stanley. Which... I love just because, again, that's just now two massive people on the left side. So, like, I think that from a Lamar doesn't really worry about his blind side because you got two should be. We have one stud in, in, in Stanley, and then the, I think you're going to have another stud there. Just because he uh, started at Navarro College, a little, little guy, little school, um, and then went to Oregon and, and tw- started 29 games for Oregon in three years. And last year, was they were the only team, Oregon was the only team that had a top 20 run rush and pass offense and he was kind of like one of the anchors of that offensive line so i really do think um that it's it's interesting that you know they get him to act as such good value on him and what makes him so desirable in my opinion is he can play he played two years of tackle before switching over to guard so um you know he he's better suited for the guard because he's he's a little limited from uh an athleticism from a, a, a East and West where like it, he, you know, it'd be kind of hard to his left tackle. You know, a lot of left tackles have to have, be able to kick out really well. He wouldn't have succeeded so well there. So I liked him at the guard scenario. A big fan of that. So over under time, I'm taking it over. I mean, the Ravens went 10, seven last year with Lamar playing 12 games. And, you know, the only concern you can say is Lamar has not played a full game since his rookie year has not played a full season. He played 15 games in 2019, but the last two years he's only played uh, 12 games each season. So if he can play a full year or at least 15 games, which is what he played in 1920 at least, they're going to get 10 wins. I mean, I think they're going to get 11 wins. I mean, this is a team that um, I'm taking them over the 9.5, taking over the 10, and even the 10.5. The schedule is not super difficult outside. They got some tough here and there, but like this is a very – 11 and six, at least, uh, with the possibility of a 12 and five. And that would just come down to could they, you know, sweep a team in the division? Could they, do they beat the Jags or the Niners? Um, you know, how do they fare against the Bengals? Do they split them? Or do they go two up 2 0? I think if they were to go 2 0 versus the, you know, Steelers, which they just, that doesn't happen, that, you know, that rivalry, where they go 2 0 versus the Browns or Bengals, they're not only getting 11 wins, they'll get 12. Um, but on that note, Rye, it's your turn to talk about the Ravens. So, as you mentioned before, uh, arguably the 
biggest wide receiver addition in the offseason so far, Odell goes to the Ravens, right? Mm-hmm. Signs a one-year, $15 million contract. Was It, it was fully guaranteed, right? Yeah, and to me, that's a – I don't think they're overpaying on that. You no, know, people not at were all. Talk, They were talking like, oh, it was an overpay because, you know, he didn't play last year. But to me, it was almost smart Odell didn't play. He said, I'm going to wait till I'm 100% healthy, and I know I'm not the young spring chicken – but look what I was doing before I tore my ACL in the Super Bowl. It was I, cooking. Cooking. He, he was. I mean, he was Matthew Stafford's second favorite target. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously behind Cooper Cup. We all know that. Uh, the Ravens get a guy who has over 7,000 career receiving yards in Odell. And to top that, he averages 14 yards a catch for his career. That's pretty damn good for an NFL wide receiver. It, look at that. They're, they're top two guys. We're looking at 14 and then 15 yards per catch. I mean, uh, the Ravens are going to be able to definitely have the ability if they want to air it out this year. Now, another thing Odell is pretty good at, uh, imp- improvising. You know, he makes plays happen when quarterbacks have to escape the pocket. And we all know nobody does that better than Lamar in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could potentially be an absolutely electric combination there because we know Lamar's going to run. We know Lamar's going to dance around and make space for his receivers. And I think you're going to see a lot of big plays from Odell this year. You're definitely going to see a thousand yard season from him. As long as he stays healthy, knock on wood, he stays healthy. That's the big thing with the Ravens. Right? I mean, I feel, I feel like as long as their guys can stay healthy, this team's going to be good. And this They're team's going to be fighting for, for a division title. It's just, the health besides Mark Andrews. That's like the one star they have that has just been consistently on the field. But if there are other big stars, question marks. Yeah. Now, another addition is not somebody who was playing in the game, but a tactician on the sidelines, and that's Todd Moncton. We've seen what he's done his last two years at Georgia. Uh, he brought a fifth and sixth year JUCO transfer quarterback and Stetson Bennett to a two-time back-to-back national champion. Uh, The man knows how to run an offense. And to me, it's the perfect team for him to go to because Georgia ran basically a three running back set because they had the skill and they had the guys to do it. And Stetson can run. Like, he's a very underrated runner to some people. Like, they don't realize how mobile he actually is. It's kind of like Pat Mahomes. Not I, Pat I, think, Mahomes but I think Stetson's faster than Mahomes. I think he's. I mean, I, I don't. Yes, but I'm saying like how you know people kind of forget that Mahomes has that athletic yeah. burst. Stetson has that. It's funny you mentioned. I don't mean to cut you off, but what else did Georgia have with Stetson on the offense? A phenomenal tight end. What do the Ravens have on offense? Really good tight end. It's it's I agree. It's absolutely the best spot for him to jump. It's just a, it's a dream fit for the Ravens, and especially Greg Roman. He got really stubborn sometimes in play calling, mm-hmm. and I think teams realize that, and it would make Lamar really frustrated. And you could just tell. Um, not saying Greg Roman's a bad OC, but I just think he got stuck in his ways and he got too complacent. For too the much most money. Part. I think he just yeah. lost money from Lamar this year too. You gotta you gotta let the kid show off his arm because he's not the most I mean he's not the most accurate passer in the NFL but he has skill now. Let's mm-hmm. see what the kid can do. And 
you just signed him for $260 million. He's a quarterback. Let him throw the fucking ball. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's really not that hard. Now, moving on to the departures, I'm going to highlight two guys in the secondary. Uh, the Ravens are losing their, their cornerback, too, and Marcus Peters, who's been a staple there for the last three years. Uh, Marlon Humphreys, Marlon Humphreys going to kind of have to hold down the fort a little bit. Uh, he is the one there. So you lose, you're losing cornerback depth, which I think the Ravens kind of needed, but you have two guys, uh, well, you have at least one stud safety in Kyle Hamilton, which is why they moved off the second guy and Chuck Clark. Now, he was there his six-year career. They shipped him off to the Jets. Low-key good pickup for the Jets just because it yeah. adds safety depth for them. Uh, but I think Kyle Hamilton could fill the role. But Chuck Clark being there would have just added, you know, veteran presence. More depth. It's, and more depth. That's, that's really the big, really biggest thing, thing is they moved on from – now that Clark's old. Clark's the youngest of, of that. He's actually 28. Team. He's only been – I mean, he's been in the league six years. We 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 – say that as like is a 10 15 year vet but i mean six years is a veteran obviously you get veteran status but he just he knows the raven system too yeah ravens are kind of rolling the dice with the secondary this year and they're secondary in the pass rush like if they can find guys to fill those holes they're gonna look like geniuses but if they struggle to get pressure or their secondary waivers just because of there's no depth and say a couple guys get nicked up banged up this could be- come back to bite them. I'm I'm just gonna say this right now. I think their defense is gonna go how their linebacking core goes. Obviously, you have Roquan Smith, arguably top two, three linebacker in the NFL. Is and he inside have- or is he a a Mike? I think he can play whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> Let's just- all. Yeah, he yeah. Does- no, the only reason I ask about everything. that, we'll get to some inside backers. Uh, for another one of these North teams. In the and thing. then you also have Patrick Queen, who they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's on a contract here. He's got to ball out if he wants to get paid. Like, And to me, that's a pretty good linebacking duo. Now, this brings me into one of my draft picks that I really like for the Ravens. Trent Simpson out of Clemson. You know you know where you're getting with Clemson defenders. Dabo knows how to run the, run that defense. They've been elite for you know the past seven, eight years. He's a guy who had 71 tackles at Clemson. Four, he had four t- tackles for loss as well. So, I mean, you're getting you're getting depth at a spot that you really need depth in, in the NFL because if you have great linebacker play, you can kind of control what you want to do on defense for the most part. Very true. Another, another good pick that they got in the seventh round, I think, Unfortunately, he did tear his ACL two days before the combine. Uh, lineman out of USC, Andrew Voorhees. He started 48 games for USC, and he moved around a bit. He was started 23 at left guard, 20 at right guard, and then he also started five at left tackle. And he wasn't that pretty versatile to me. I would say that I would say that's versatile. And that's a good swing guard. That's a good because I, how much he can play. He's not really going to play this year because the I think that's yeah. why he fell too to his seventh round pick because yeah. his grade was never a set. He was a day three guy, but he was like an early day three guy. Yeah, he was like a fourth, fourth or fifth round guy. Yeah. Um, 
Side note, he threw up 38 on the bench press at the combine on a torn ACL. So um, he's pretty strong. Got that, got that country strength. He's got the farm, got the farm boy strength. And he was also uh, second team All-American in 2022. So uh, kid knows how to block defenders. Let's just put it that way. Now, for me, I'm very high on this Ravens team. I think they got better. One of their biggest roadblocks in the past two seasons was their offense. Now, it's not on Lamar. Again, kind of on Greg Roman, kind of on the scale that they had. But you're adding an immense amount of talent to this offense this offseason. And I think the sky's the limit for the Ravens. Like you said, I see this team winning 12 games. So I'm going to take the over on the 9.5, the 10, and the 10.5. And And I'm also going to go out on a limb. I think they win the North. Because there's one thing that a Ravens team knows how to do, and that's play defense when it matters. And now that they have a what we think is going to be a really good offense, that defense is going to really – help them win games from weeks 14 to 17, where I think that's that's when they're going to win the division. Now, I'm going to jump into their biggest competition, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals. We all know Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and it's the big three. But they added somebody on the offensive line, to protect Joe Burrow. Again, that's been a thorn in the side for the Bengals. The last couple of years, it's gotten better. But they signed Orlando Brown to a four-year deal. Now, that's a man who's going to protect Joe Burrow's blind side. And he protected uh, Joe Burrow's, I guess, final boss and Patrick Mahomes, you can say. For- and also protected if you want to even make it more he protected lamar jackson oh he did he did he was on the ravens before he signed that deal with the kansas city chiefs i completely forgot about that that's a good it feels like a nice like full circle yeah it now. does like Orlando brown now goes i won my rings but i want to ring with the uh, the chiefs now i'm gonna go with the Bengals and try to do the same thing well beating up my old team the uh ravens because i feel like he felt like he was disrespected with the ravens I, I think he was a little bit. And I, again, it, it ended poorly there, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, again, why he went to Kansas City. Another, I wouldn't say it's a, a big-time addition, but I think another good addition for the Bengals, Irv Smith Jr., they get the gap at the tight end position that they needed. Uh, he's a very underrated athletic tight end. I think you saw that in Minnesota at some times. And I think he's going to fit in the offense quite well because it just gives Joe Burrow another option. So Joe's got all the talent in the world to work with there. But to me, those are two of the biggest for the Bengals. Now, their departures, I think, outweigh the additions just because you lost Jesse Bates. Now, Jesse Bates is probably the biggest piece on that defense – at least in the secondary, you can argue Trey Hendrickson's the biggest piece to that defense. But Jesse Bates kind of just did it all. He, he's been there his whole NFL career with them, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, it's a guy who was you know, familiar with the Bengals system, you know, got them to this point, and now 
Bengals don't have enough money, which I think they could have signed them. I just don't think, I don't know why they didn't want to pay him because he signed a pretty cheap deal in Atlanta, or at least I think it was a cheap deal. We consider it cheap. I think they could have paid him. I just think uh, they're looking at, they have to sign Joe to a super deal. And at that point you have to trim other areas. So, Hey, we can move off Jesse, not pay him 70 million and find some guy, younger guys. That's what it seems like to me, at least. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, probably they they lose, obviously, their, their biggest piece, in my opinion, on the back end. And, again, their defense. But they lost Hayden Hurst. Don't really have, like, that much of an impact. Because, again, you filled it with Irv Smith. But it's a guy who seemed to have chemistry with Joe Burrow at the end of the season. Unfortunately... Yeah. He missed a couple games that kind of fluttered down the, you know, down the stretch in the playoffs a little bit. But I would have liked to have seen him in the offense another year because I think he could have done really big things. I think but, he put up yeah. numbers, bigger numbers. Yeah. You know, kind of he's not. He's always been a good blocking tight end. He's never lived up offensively to the numbers that like he was expected to have. Remember, he spent time with the Ravens and was part of that. You know, when they had twelve tight ends playing every. Yeah. And he was a he was a first round pick, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I agree. I would like to see one more year, but or they're very similar. So I feel like Irv's gonna fill that role pretty well. I, I do agree with that. Now I'm gonna move on to two draft picks that the Bengals had, which I absolutely love. A pick that is close to my heart. DJ Turner out of the University of Michigan. Great. Great speed corner, ran a four two six of the combine, fastest by any player, not just corner, any player in the combine this year. Uh, and he can also play the physical shutdown game because that's what you have to do in the Big Ten. He was corner one slash two on Michigan because they have Will Johnson. But DJ Turner showed up for the big time games, made the big time plays when it mattered. And I think he's going to shine in that Bengals secondary, and he's going to show why he was a second-round pick. Now, Dave knows what's coming here. This is Ryan's absolute favorite player coming out of college. Don't let him tell you anything differently. This is his favorite player maybe in all of college football. No, you can thank Gus Johnson for that one because this is arguably the greatest nickname that any commentator has given to anybody in the history of college football. That is quite a statement. I would love to get Gus Johnson on in the future. Oh, Gus Johnson, I, you and Joe Klatt are just, you are top-notch commentary, and you guys are the best. Chuck Sizzle. Now, if you guys don't watch college football, Charlie Jones is his name. He was the wide receiver one for Purdue and Aiden O'Connell. Brought Purdue to a Big Ten championship game. Bengals got him in the fourth round. Now, how they got him in the fourth round, I don't really know. Because... Maybe because people, maybe because he did nothing when he was at Iowa for all those years because Iowa's That's passing offenses. Well, you're, you're talking about the most incompetent offense in the history of college football. Yeah. Well, well that's a sorry, maybe that that's might why. be a little harsh, but that that offense just, Mister Ference, you got to you got to fire your son. But again, that's a story for a you know a talk for another day. Uh, Charlie Jones transferring to 
another Big Ten program, just casually put up 1,361 yards in 13 games. Oh, and uh, he led the FBS in catches. Or I believe he was tied for the lead in catches with like 110. So uh, the kid knows how to catch a football. And he knows what to do with it. So That's such a scary like option. He's wide receiver four right now. Think about that. Do I think he's going to be wide receiver four to start the season? No, because I do think he's going to beat out Tyler Boyd. That's no disrespect to you, Tyler Boyd. Chuck Sizzle's coming for you. Just watch out, okay? On to the over-under. The Bengals are currently at 11.5 on FanDuel, Caesars, and BetMGM. Hot take, Dave. I'm going to take the under. Okay. I think the Cincinnati team is going to go 11-6. They have Very some, fair. They have some very tough games. I know they're playing the Chiefs, obviously. Now, payback game, so they're going to be pissed off, obviously, about the AFC Championship game. I believe they're also going to the Bay. You would be correct there. They go to the Bay. So, I... I don't want to mark that down as an L for them, but uh, yeah, you're marking it out for an L. Like, I'm you're gonna, gonna think they're eleven and six. They gotta get six losses somehow. And I just think it's so hard in the AFC North to sweep a team that you're playing just because they kill each other every year. It's, it's just not at all good. Yeah, you know, like, for a while it was always the Steelers are really good and the Ravens were were always solid, and then you know the Browns stink, the Bengals stink, and then now that everyone's kind of been re-energized. Like, Everyone's good. Every roster's really, really, really good. good. Like so, that's three losses right there. And I believe they're playing the Bills, and the Bills are going to want payback from last year. Yeah, but they're playing the Bills at home, so you know that could be a difference. Listen, they don't have the easiest schedule in the world. That's all I'm going to say. No, no, no so one in the North does. I, but I can see this team going eleven and six. That's all I'm going to say. Now. I'm not saying they're not a good football team because they're going to be one of the best in the AFC. But I just see this team winning 11 games, especially with what they lost on defense. And Jesse Bates, because that's kind of the driving factor in the AFC North, is if your defense can make those plays at the end of the season, you're going to win those games at the end of the season, playing your divisional rivals. And that's really when the North is won. So... What is your analysis on the Bengals here, Dave? All right, so I'm going to go off what Ryan said. Um, The Bengals have been working to protect Joe Burr. That's been, you know, absolutely one of the biggest issues uh, is just keeping him protected because when they protect him, they win football games. It's just a fact. Um, You know, Ryan highlighted the big acquisition on the offensive line with Orlando Brown. I have another acquisition. Not as big, but potentially – what is the balance of the Bengals issue, Ryan, is they can't stay healthy on the O-line. They play well, and then the, by the time we're in the last four or five weeks of the season, like most teams, injuries occur, but it just seems to always be offensive linemen. Last year, they lost, what, two or three offensive linemen, and they had to rework with a lot of that. So I love the signing of Cody Ford coming from the Buffalo Bills. Now, Ford's only 26. He's young. He may not even necessarily start for this team because I, I kind of project him as a, as, a, as a swing guard. You know, he's played in 49 games, 
uh, in his career is 32 starts, and he's been all over the place. He's played left guard, he's played right guard, he's played right tackle. Um, but to me, he just gives them depth because he can start if needed. And like we saw last year, and this is kind of funny because we talk about the Bengals' the offensive line getting hurt, and then they play the Bills in the playoffs, and they dominate the offensive line. Um, the offensive line dominates with a team that was not their normal offensive line. Pretty impressed, but, you know, interesting. But I do find with Cody Ford, it just gives them the depth where it's like, okay, if someone gets hurt, he can slide in. He can play th- at least three of the, the positions on the line. Realistically, he could probably also play left tackle if need be. Um, I just wouldn't put them there. I keep on the right side, and especially at guard. That's that's where he's best fit. But to me, it's just I love that pick because, again, it's just the Bengals recognizing an area that's been issues in the past. Let's and it gives fill. them it gives them depth. It's and that's something that NFL people in the NFL, but teams that win and teams that are good tend to have depth, or they find guys that can fill in spots. Why the Chiefs have been good for now the last couple of years? They have found guys on the defensive side that can just fill depth offensively. Fill depth. Now they picked up. I know you mentioned Jesse Bates being lost. I I agree. That's a big loss. It's a big loss to the secondary. So I have some disagrees. I think they've. Filled in a lot of those spots well, but one of the acquisitions who beat them in the Super Bowl back in 2021 is Nick Scott, the safety from the Rams. I absolutely just this made so much sense to Brit to get him because they let their all-pro Jesse Bates go. So I'm not saying Nick Scott is going to be Jesse Bates, but I'll tell you right now, Nick Scott is having a great, great career, great story. Seventh round pick was picked 243. I mean, one of the last picks in the draft. It's a long, it's a long wait, huh? Long wait. And guess what? Last year was by far his best season, and he got hurt. Right? You know, he didn't play the full year. He got hurt at the end of the year, so they shut him down because the Rams are going nowhere. But he was having really good year. Uh, Eighty-six tackles, two picks, two forced fumbles, five pass deflections for a Rams team that was playing for nothing after Matt Stafford went down a week eight or week nine. Like, I think that the Bengals may have just gotten a steal with Nick Scott because I think we've just seen Nick Scott has gone from being a seventh round pick to not only a starter but a Pro Bowl level player. I really like that. That's going to help fill some of the void because, like Jesse Bates is gone, they also lost Von Bell. Now, he had a good, like Bates, he had a good campaign last year. He had four picks, a sack, eight pass deflections. I think Bates also had four picks. So, like, that's a that's eight picks right there. And I think they both combined. They had close to 20 pass deflections. So you got to fill that in somewhere. So I guess the Nick Scott's going to fill, maybe he'll fill, fill more of the Von uh, Bell role than Jesse Bates. But, but that's another guy. Like it's, it's a tough loss. This leads me into the second guy that the Bengals let go. And it's kind of funny because I don't consider this a huge loss. It's a loss because he, would have moments when he played really well, but it's Eli Apple, maybe the biggest trash talker in the NFL, oh, who God. then gets absolutely cooked in the Super Bowl. Remember, all he did is talk all that shit to everyone. And then Cooper Cup absolutely just, I mean, I, it was the worst crime I've ever seen in my life. I was, what I was Cooper Cup was doing to, to, to Eli Apple. And I just think it's time that it was time to move on from him. He did play well last year, though. I can't sit here and say that he didn't have a good year last year. He had 46 tackles, eight pass deflections. Kind of crazy. If you look at the Bengals' secondary, he had a lot of pass deflections. But he had no picks. 
which is kind of just interesting for being like the quote unquote corner one. Um, it is a void, but they do fill it. I think with the DJ Turner draft pick, that's like, all right, like Eli is good and all, but like they do fill that position. And if it's not DJ Turner, then you can argue DJ Ivy, the later pick from Miami corner from Miami. Like both of those corners that they drafted are going to be playing um, on Sundays. And we'll see you know, diff- varying um, snap counts, but they're both going to be on the field. Um, but going back to, like I said, the Von Bell departure, the Jesse Bate departure, what did the Bengals do? They drafted Jordan Battle, the safety, the do-it-all safety from Alabama. It's it just, to me, it's like he fits so well because it's kind of crazy. Bama just continues to just have great corners, great safeties that come from their, their team. Um, I love the battle pick because, again, like you said, they lose both their safeties. So you bring Nick Scott in. In via trade or via signing, and then you bring Battle in, who should be starting and will be playing. He just brings a toughness, and he will hit you. He is a thumper. I mean, he was the first team All SEC last year. It's seventy-one tackles. He was a third-team All American, and in his career, two hundred and fifty-two tackles. It's a lot of tackles for a safety. The man's a walking sledgehammer. I mean, I'll tell you, you're not going to want to be over the middle. And, and take a hit from him. You get he, off the tracks when the train's coming true. No. If you come to this, and for the SEC, a ten, ten ta- three pick, ten pass deflection, six and a half tackles for loss. So he also can, like, get, you know, rush the quarterback medium, too. He can, you know, he's not the ball hark that Bates is, but he's a thumper. And, and I, I really just like, he's going to be an impact player, I believe, for that team. Again, him, Ivy. Turner, they're all going to be playing. So, like, I understand, like, you lose Bell and you lose Bates, but I'm not super concerned. The other team guy that they drafted that I absolutely love, and this is because Samaji P. Ryan's gone, and what the Bengals show, Joe Mixon's great, but Joe Mixon does have, get, seem to get banged up and all that. And we know there's some potential. I, I don't know whatever's happening with that off-the-field stuff they were talking about. But Chase Brown. Now, Ryan may not want me to talk about him because he went to Illinois. Well, no, 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 hold on. This is this is the third best running back in the Big Ten. So oh my God, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. You know, he went fifth round pick, one sixty three, but put up sixteen hundred and forty three yards last year, and ten touchdowns on the ground, and then another twenty seven catches with two hundred forty yards and three touchdowns. Still in the, air. the third best running back in. All right, eighteen hundred all purpose yards and thirteen touchdowns, pretty damn good. Not even counting his junior season where he had over 1,000 yards and 170 carries, Ryan. That's almost six yards a carry. That, by the way, is just an insane number. I don't think people, like, like if you're in the NFL and you get average, like, four yards a carry, it's like, oh, are you really good? Chase Brown averaged six yards a carry as a junior in college and then averaged over five yards a carry as a senior. Uh, it's, and he had five touchdowns. So he's, it wasn't like a one-year one fluke at, at, at Illinois. Like, he, he shows he can do it. So I like the bringing him in because, again, it just gives them the depth behind Joe Mixon because that's the only thing that you have to worry about with Joe Mixon is he t- tends to get, you know, nicked up here and there. And, again, I, who knows? So I, I think he's going to see him out there. He can, again, he can catch the football too. Not not that he was a, a Jameer Gibbs type from Alabama where he, or, or even a um, – oh, my God, Bijan Robinson from Texas who's going to get a lot more catches, but he can catch the ball in the backfield. So now to the over-under. I'm going to disagree with Ryan here. I am on the over. Um, I know I've said the last couple weeks that I would, when the team's plus money for their over, I tend to stay away. 
But this will be the one point I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to take them over on everything because they're plus money on all three of the major books that we've talked about. On FanDuel, they're plus 110, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Um, on Caesars, they're plus 105. And MGM, they're plus 110. I will take them at plus money because this team went 12-4 and four last year. And I disagree with Ryan. I think they are better now than they were a year ago. We're not even talking about the first-round pick, Miles Murphy, who should – I think eating this defense because Trandrickson is just an absolute monster on one side. So now you're going to get another guy who can get pressure on the quarterback. Okay. All right. Yeah. And again, this is going to be a young secondary. So if they can figure things out, I don't have an issue um, with them. Again, I think 12 and five is what they're going to go again this year. So that'll be the hit they're over. Uh, they're going to protect Joe. Their front seven now has more depth. Again, the back four is, is the question, but you still have Dax Hill. You still have Mike Hilton. So that's why I say you're going to add Turner. You're going to add Ivy. You're going to add Battle. It's, they got younger, faster, and they're going to hit the heck out of you. We're like, not necessarily the guys they had before. Like, Eli Apple was on a, was on a thumper. Uh, Von Bell had moments when he could be, but mostly wasn't a thumper. Like, they're going to ha- be more of a hard-hitting team in the back four. It's going to be really tough. But I have this team in the, the NFC North. The AFC North, my mistake. I just think they're going to have to make a deep playoff run. Like, this team is built to go cause issues when it comes to January and February. So, I got them going 12 and 5. I think they can go 13 and 4. And that's only really, that will depend if they sweep, you know, if they sweep the Browns, if they sweep the Steelers, or if they somehow sweep the Ravens. I don't think they're going to sweep anyone. I think they're all going to split because I just think the division is so good. They're all going to go one on one versus each other. Um, and it also depends because they play the Bills and Honors and Chiefs. So, like, do they go two and one? Do they beat the Bills, beat the Chiefs, lose the Niners? Or do they beat the Niners, beat the Bills, lose the Chiefs? If they go two and one versus those three teams, you got to just tell me where you're going to find five losses, Ryan. I I will say, I, again, I know I picked the Ravens to win the division. The Bengals go 13 and four. They're the one seed in the AFC. And that's... Well, that depends because the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have them going 13 and four if you don't. Uh, or you no, mean I said five. 12 and five. 12 and 5. So, yeah, I think you have them at the two seed. I do think the North winner, if one of them gets 12 wins, realistically, they, if, if the Ravens or anyone gets 13 wins in the North, they're going to be the one seed. And again, it comes down to it's fine. I'll say they, they gave three losses in the division. So they have to lose three other games. And I just think they're going to go two and one versus the Niners, Chiefs, and Bills. I know that they're home against the Bills. So I think that that gives them the, the, the edge. They, up until the AFC Championship game last year, had beaten the Chiefs. Over and over in Arrowhead, so I'm not scared. You mean Burrowhead? Yes, Burrowhead, exactly. Um, and then the Niners it could be tough. It will be a tough game. That could be the one loss. No, they're not. Going- they're not going to the Bay and beating the Niners. I'm sorry, they're just okay. Not. Well, we'll see. We'll agree to disagree. We'll we'll, we'll have we'll to see. highlight that we'll when we when, I just when don't the see season. Guess what? When you have Joe Burrow, I, sky's the limit. But uh, moving on now, we're going to move over to Cleveland. Browns went seven and seven, seven and ten last year. Their over unders are nine on BetMGM at one minus one hundred five, over eight and a half in Caesars at minus one sixty, and uh, over nine and a half on FanDuel plus one hundred eight. Their biggest addition to me that was not done via trade because they did trade for some big pieces was Juan Thornhill. Love this deal by the way, three for 21, 14 guaranteed. Juan Thornhill, really good safety who will probably play the free the free spot next to the budding star in Grant Delphi. Grant Delphi is, is, had an absolute monster year last year. That, oh, my God. That secondary is kind of molding into a nice little you – know, No, what you say? Secondaries uh, – you know, pass for secondaries is what's going to win the North. The Browns could win the North. I'm not saying – they're not my pick to win the North, 
But like, if you get like a competent Deshaun Watson who doesn't play and look terrible, you can you can argue any team in this division. No, there's, there's, every single one of these teams can win the division. Like, there's not a, a weak link. Like, and that's the sad thing because if there if any of these teams are in another division in football outside of maybe the AFC East, they all probably win the, every other division. Especially on the, on the NFC side, I, I mean, they're, they're, any of these teams probably winning every one of those divisions, except maybe, maybe the we can argue in the, the, the East. But I, I, it's, it's, I love that you're going to have now two guys who will tackle and two ball hawks now playing in the secondary for, for the Browns. I mean, Delphite had 103 tackles last year. Thornhill had 71. They deflect a million passes. Thornhill had nine deflections last year. Delphite had 10, so that's 20, 19. You're also, you're 20. talking about their best corner. <laughs> no, so, no, that's, that's, that's the thing. I'm saying they have going to have budding now, uh, Juan Thornhill with, with a guy that said, an up-and-coming star to have two safeties that will tackle. You know, I went off saying how you're know, going to have guys who will tackle in Cincinnati. Cleveland's going to have probably the best tackling duo in the secondary from a safety perspective. And you know, they were a top five passing defense last year. People don't realize that they only gave up 196 yards a game and they got better in the secondary. So, uh oh, watch out. And again, you have three mobile quarterbacks who can, who can obviously run. Pickett can, can move. Lamar, we know. Burrow also can move and they all can throw. So it's going to be interesting. I think that that's just a good, good, really good move for the secondary of Cleveland. Now, I'm going to stay on the defensive side of the ball. This is a really good signing just because this is now just gives another front seven guy who's going to help Miles Garrett because we all know Miles Garrett, when he goes, that defense goes, that front seven goes. But that's Dalvin Tomlinson. He signed a nice big deal, four years, $57 million, but is a much-needed move. It's a large man playing defense. It's a large man. What is Tomlinson's best known for running ability, which is something Cleveland struggled with last year. They averaged over 135 yards a game given up rushing, which was bottom eight. So, just saying, Tomlinson's arguably the best one stopping tackle, nose tackle in football. I mean, that's what he's known to do. So, they, they needed that run-stopping ability. He comes and does that. And he also, again, he's not a pass rusher. He's not a big sack guy. But he does have 12 sacks over his last four seasons. Now, this is sound crazy, but he only had one over his first two years total. So if you can imagine now you can get some pressure in the middle. We already know Miles Garrett's going to give you probably at least 15, if not close to 20 sacks. So you can get something get some pressure up the middle. Gives Garrett a little extra help. The Browns could be uh, a scary team. You know, could he be the Robin to Miles Garrett's Batman? We'll have to see. Now, they did let a bunch of guys go. Uh, to me, the biggest one that they let go was Kareem Hunt. Somehow still a free agent, by the way. I did read, though, the commanders are currently showing a lot of interest in him. I feel like that'd be a really good spot for him to go to, uh, to be the, you know, more of the receiving back. You know, Also kind of be the, the, the secondary punch who can also take over the lead with Brian Robinson. But that's for We'll talk about that for another episode if he ends up getting uh, signed to Washington. Um, he was a great compliment to Nick Chubb. You know, Hunt last year had 35 catches for 210 yards, a touchdown. He had another 470 rushing yards on 123 carries. We all know Nick Chubb is probably the best pure running back in football, just a pure runner. So, you know, his, his productivity went down the last two years, but he did have a couple of years ago over almost 1,200 all, uh, scrimmage yards and 11 touchdowns. 
Um, it was just a great like secondary piece to go off of Nick Chubb. So I do think not having him there is going to hurt. Uh, just because again, you had a guy who could catch the football and run the football, and we'll have to see again. The Cleveland's biggest thing is going to be how Deshaun Watson plays. Does he look like he did last year, where it was obvious he's not the guy he was two years ago? I don't think he'll be that bad, but I don't expect him to be the guy he was two years ago. And honestly, he doesn't have to be. He doesn't have to be this massive star that he was in his end of his tenure with Houston. He just has to be a good quarterback. But another loss I'm going to highlight on the defense side of the ball, um, and this is why I like the Dalvin Thomason signing, is because they lost Taven Bryant, who was a, de- a defensive tackle. He put up solid numbers. Um, he had three sacks, six quarterback hits. But it, to me, the reason I, he played 16 games. And the reason I, I highlight him as a loss is because he was just a depth piece for that front four. The Browns do not have a very deep front four. So losing him, it's again, his productivity wasn't crazy, but he did just you know, lose him. And that to me, it's just a bad loss to have. It's good. Just, it's good to have depth in positions like that. Cause they already lost Jadavian Kalani. They already lost Chase Winovich. So like they definitely are going to be thin on that line. So, like, the Thomason pick is really good. Some departures for the Browns were someone I just mentioned, Jadavion Clowney. Now, it's more of a big-name loss than I would say a skill loss, but he did have 28 tackles last year. He is pretty good at stopping the run, but they added Dalvin Thomason, like you said. But it would have been nice to have him back on that defensive line because I think a trio of Garrett, Smith, and Clowney, you know, rushing the quarterback could have been really dangerous. But I also don't think they make the Zadarius Smith trade. You're probably probably right. So I think I agree though. Smith gives you more pass rushing. I, I would not, say the, not the same guy he used to be. Now another departure for the Browns that I think is going to be major is that of a third string running back Dearness Johnson just because he's the best third string running back in football man it's not I was I was going to say that and I am I'm glad you you bring that up because he really is and you saw you know that year Chubb and Hunt Hunt were hurt he carried the load for whatever that two or three weeks and he put up numbers and now that you lost Hunt and you lost Johnson Chubb is really the only horse in the stable at the moment and I don't know if he can carry that workload for a full season without getting banged up running backs get hurt it's just what they do it has no you know it's no uh What's the word I'm looking for? Handicap on them, I guess. It's just the position you play. You're getting hit every time you touch the ball. And it's one thing they didn't draft. They didn't draft to to kind of give depth there. Like they're just kind of like, ah, oh, we're gonna go with what we got. No, now I mean, potentially they could sign. This is this is gonna go be out on a limb here, but they could sign Dalvin Cook. They do have some cap space. Um, would that, wouldn't that be interesting? Because you can argue Cook would be an upgrade from Hunt, but Cook would also want more touches. But then that, in a way, you give a little less touches to Chubb, keep him from getting banged up as much. Yeah. 
I that could be an option. I don't think the Browns would do that. I just think they're going with their their stallion Nick Chubb as their one their one back system. It's going to be a little different for him because you know they've always ran a two to three back system. So we're going to see what he's really made of. Now, two draft picks I really like for the Browns. I mean, Jerome Ford is their backup currently, so nothing. And Jerome Ford is a solid player, but. It's definitely going to be interesting from a back standpoint. <laughs> Don't really. Uh... Yeah. Now, two draft picks I really like from the Browns were that of Luke Weipler, the center out of Ohio State. Uh, good in the run game. You know, very good pass blocker. You know, CJ Stroud had plenty of time to throw this year, uh, except against Michigan. But And the other draft pick I really like is – Saki Ika out of Baylor. Another massive human being. 6'4, 357 pounds. All right, man. Um, good luck trying to run through the gap there. Imagine and, him and Thomason on the line at the same time. It's about 800 pounds. Almost. And especially, especially with this, you know, this division being so run heavy when they play each other. Um, you may you yeah. may see more four you may see more uh, four threes instead of three fours. Yeah, you're, you're gonna more four four man um, D lines. You're gonna see a lot of runs getting stuffed at the line of scrimmage. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna jump into the Steelers here because I already gave the over under again. Take the eight and a half at the minus one sixty. If you can get the nine, take it. If you get a push, you get a push. Yeah, so, we're just not fully ready to say over nine and a half. Yeah, and it, so, but if you're feeling lucky, it is plus money, and I, I don't hate it yeah. at all. I'm so close to saying take that over nine and a half. It's just I, the Browns are the Browns, man, and they're just going to find a way. They're going to have eight wins with five weeks left, and then they're going to go one and four in the last five weeks and end nine and eight. I just it's what they do. Now, they do. two additions that I like for the Steelers. Allen Robinson. Oh, God. And Don't bring him up, please. A man who had such high hopes for the Rams last season. Oh, stop. We really thought he was going to put up. His his wings were clipped and he fell out of the sky. Um, <laughs> he did nothing, man. It was man, that, that was the worst swing and miss I've ever had in my life. Bro, if I remember correctly, I think we had the conversation last year. And I believe you told me Allen Robinson could put up 1,300 yards. I, I said in that offense, he could put up between 12 and he put, up about, he put up about 1,100 yards less. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'll but, take that. I'll take that on the chin. Um, it's another big body receiver. Can he two glove pick it and throw to? And, and it just adds another body to the Steelers' wide receiver core. And they're building something, I wouldn't say you know pretty nice, but they have pieces. You know, you have Deontay Johnson now. You have George Pickens, who... Black, for, Black Air Force Energy. Yeah. Oh, God, don't even go there. Um, and now you mean all-pro this year, man. I'm telling you. Don't 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 be surprised if Pickens puts up some stupid year. I don't know why. I just... It's written all over, like, he's going to have, like, 1,300 yards in, like, 12 It, it wouldn't shock me, honestly. But, I mean, Al Robinson's now going to be the three, most likely. He's going to get those favorable matchups. Yeah. And I think he's going to exploit those matchups, to be perfectly honest. Look for him to have another 
bounce back year because there's no way he does what he does in L.A. on the Steelers. Now he'll be caught by week three if he's, if he's playing like that. Yeah, he'll be out of the NFL if he does that. Now another great signing for the Steelers, Patrick Peterson, a guy who has been in the league for 12 years, adds that veteran presence, and he's also going to mentor Joey Porter Jr., who Patrick Peterson played with his father. That's enough, by the way. When he's when he started his NFL career, and that's nuts. That's like so. That's do we want like a full circle moment? That's, that's a full so circle. Cool. Right that's so cool, man. Now, two departures for the Steelers that I'm not a big fan of. Robert Spillane, a guy who doesn't really get talked about a lot, but he had 79 tackles last season for the Steelers. Like, that's a lot in a system that rotates through linebackers. Also, the Steelers... Their whole just, inside linebacking core. Yeah, I was going to bring that up because I know you're big on the other two. But it's, it's, they got rid of everyone. The, he they was the third linebacker lost for them. I mean, listen, he got, he got a nice little deal in Oakland. I can't, I won't, or Vegas, I should say. He got a nice little deal with Vegas, so good for him. Yeah. And then another guy in their secondary, Terrell Edmonds. It's another guy who had 70 tackles. Like, you're, you have to replace 150 tackles right there. It's a lot. You don't, you don't think it's a lot, but no, it's, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, it also fills the safety hole on the other side because now you don't have anyone really to play next to Minka because Cam Sutton's also gone. Yeah. So, that's kind of a big problem. Now, Two draft picks I really like for the Steelers are Nick Herbig, a gentleman out of Wisconsin. Seems all the Steelers do is draft Wisconsin players. And all they do is just be really good in the NFL. Yes, he, you are correct about that. Herbig casually put up 11, 11 sacks and also 15 and a half tackles for loss at Wisconsin. And that's really that, that's a pro level defense in college to be perfectly honest like they run that's it. why they all they might they all translate that's the yeah. one school wisconsin over the last couple of years has not been great offensively and that's why they haven't been the top 25 power that they were for years but their defense was still disgusting and all the guys who get drafted from their defense go to the nfl become pro bowlers and all pros and it's yeah. like it's the transition is like a like you're just shaking their hand like hey you know what you're doing already another Another piece they added in the draft in the third round, Darnell Washington, another mountain of a man. Six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds. He did slip a little bit. I believe he had a knee injury uh, at the end of his his season, and that's what caused him to drop slightly. But it's it's another guy Kenny can throw to. It's another big body. Oh, and he's also a fantastic blocker. Best best blocking. I mean, he's pretty much getting in six offensive linemen. Yeah. Because guess what? You have Pat Farmy over there, who's last year was starting to break out, who I think is going to have a stupidly good year this year. Because to me, he had a really good year last year. He's coming from Mark Andrews, his best tight end in that division. That division also has really good tight ends. No one talks about. Njoku, Andrews, and uh, Farmy were three really good tight ends. Now, as for their over-under, Dave, there's three certains in life. One is death, one is taxes, and the other one is Mike Tomlin going 500 or better. 
He's done every single year of his career, correct? I believe so. I think it's 16 years in a row, something like that. Now, and they're going to give us an eight and a half, Ryan. Think about that. What did the Steelers go last year? Nine and eight? I think so, yeah. Nine. So, they really must be banking on that the, the secondary is going to be a prop or this defense is going to not be as good or something because the offense is better and Kenny's, Kenny's got a whole offseason. Yep. So, for me, just take the Steelers over eight and a half. Just don't even think about it. Just lock it in. Click on it. Dave, you're expert analysis on the Steelers. Perfect. So, uh, the first edition that I really like for the Steelers, again, this division, like I said before, you could have all the teams get 10 wins. I mean, their first move was signing a guard, Isaac Sumula, from the Eagles to a three-year, $24 million deal. Just was a pro ball this past season, was just one of their anchors of that offensive line that just led the Eagles to the Super Bowl. He will be the left starting guard for the Steelers. So, what's he going to do? He's going to play all 17 games, barring an injury, knock on wood, uh, like what last year he did, and the Steelers are going to hope that he does that because it's an upgrade for that O-line uh, to protect Kenny two-glove picket because I think Kenny – Seals ended the year really hot last year, Ryan. They, they finished season four and one. Kenny was also starting to ascend. I know look at his numbers last year, seven touchdowns, nine picks. People are like, oh, that's not very good. If you watch them play, they were ascending at the right moment. But here, we talk about all the inside linebackers being gone. I mean, they're completely overhauling that defense on, on, from, the linebacker, from the inside linebacking. Not many teams rotate. They caught all of them. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But they did sign an inside linebacker out of Washington, uh, Cole Holcomb, from the Commanders. Absolute fantastic. Fantastic signing. You know, ferocious tackler who can also – Played pretty well in the pass. You know, cover the flats well, cover the hooks and all that. I mean, last year, he had 69 tackles in seven games. Then he got hurt and missed the rest of the season. He had a foot injury. He got that fixed um, during that injuries. But he also had seven pass deflections. Two years ago, he had 142 tackles, seven pass deflections, two forced fumbles, and two picks. So do-it-all linebacker. And what did the Steelers just do? Got rid of all their inside linebackers. So they need someone to fill the void. He's definitely a step in the right direction, and I, I really think he'll be a thumper for them. And like I just mentioned, there are a lot of good tight ends. That's who he's going to be covering, tight ends and backs out of the field, uh, out of the backfield. He should do pretty well doing that. I think it's really good. Um, mentioning the inside linebackers, since that's just a common theme with the Steelers, uh, that's why two guys they that let go. Both Miles Jack and Devin Bush, both gone. Devin Bush goes to Seattle. Miles Jack's still a free agent. I mean, Jack had 104 tackles last year, three pass deflections, three tackles for losses. Bush also had a pretty good year. Um, after coming up the last two years, he's been injury-shortened, so he hasn't really played a ton. Last year, played the whole season, um, and he had 81 tackles, two pass deflections, two tackles for a loss. Um, coming from the inside, inside back position. Like you said, Robert Splane's also gone. So all of our inside linebackers are gone. So they said, all right, we got to fill these voids somehow. How are we going to fill it? Obviously, they brought in a guy, didn't mention in acquisitions, but they brought Landon Roberts, who in the last two years with Miami had 250 tackles. Really good numbers, honestly, for a guy who didn't play a ton with New England, was a big special teams guy. Um, you brought Cole Holmgren in, and then you also, like Ryan mentioned, they drafted Herberg, who should be starting. But – for me, I'm going to mention two second-round draft picks that they met, they that I love. One of them because it's just like a nice little Cinderella-type story, and he's going to be really good for them and fill maybe that Cam Sutton role 
or, or he'll help fix the secondary and learn under Patrick Peterson. And that's Jerry Porter Jr. from Penn State. Uh, it's just cool because they drafted his father back in 99 and his dad played, put it was pretty good players, a three time pro bowler, an all pro. And now Joey Jr. comes in and uh, he's a pretty good corner last I checked. He's great size, 6'2, 195. Absolutely doesn't pick get a lot of picks. So don't expect the ball hark side of him, but my boy, he can pass deflect like no one else. I mean, he only had one interception in his career, but he had 20. Pass deflections over the last two years. Eleven that's, last that's year. That's a stupid amount for a corner. In in in, let's be honest. In if you watch Penn State football, it's Big Ten football. They didn't throw to him a lot. I mean, he had the lowest. His, the QBR against him, I believe, was thirty. If you don't know college football, that's really low. That's really impressive. He's gonna fill right in, I believe. Uh, he'll be he'll be his day one starter and should be doing pretty. You know, they're gonna expect big things out of him. And again, get him in the second round. Kind of a steal. I mean, he's a realistically, he's one of the first picks in the second round. So it's like almost like an extension of the first round, but still. I also love the second pick from another guy from Wisconsin. This team's Wisconsin translated to the NFL. Uh, Keenan Benton, the nose tackle. So we know TJ Watts there. We know Cam Hayward's there. We now know that, you know, we have Landon Roberts there and you have the, the and, and Cole Holmgrom and you have a great front seven. This guy. On the D line, the Benton is six four three fifteen. It was a second team All Big Ten uh, in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. He's third team All Big Ten. We mentioned the sacks that Herbert brought in. Benton had nine sacks in his career as a nose tackle. That's a lot. A lot. He had four and a half last year alone. It's a lot. He's going to learn from Cam Hayward, who's one of the best at his job, as he has been. And now you're going to add him with him and Watt. Oh my man, that's all I'm saying. I think if the Steelers, I'm not, I don't don't know the future, but I do think the Steelers may have just hit two home runs in the second round in this draft on that defense because both those guys I think are going to be in Pittsburgh for a while, and just more anchors of a great black and gold steel curtain. And again, they're going to be really good against the run defense because Benton's really good against that. Kim Hayward's really good against that. And like I'm with Ryan. You're taking the over. The Steelers don't go under 500. Mike Tomlin doesn't go over 500. They went 9-8 last year. Pickett didn't start halfway through the season. He's his team now. You got better on offense. You got better on your front seven. Your linebackers, the inside linebackers will be a big question, but I do think you got better there because you have got, you know, guys who are going to play. I mean, I know Bush played all, you know, Jack played all of last year. Bush, you know, finally played a full season after missing most a lot of games from the prior two. And this is a stat, Ryan. If TJ Watt plays, the Steelers win games. It's just not a question. Last year, this is the numbers. When TJ Watt played, the Steelers were eight and two. They have 17 points a game, 286 yards a game, 25 sacks, 16 takeaways. When TJ Watt did not play, they went one and six, gave up over 25 points a game, gave up 390 yards a game, only had eight sacks and five takeaways. When TJ Watt plays, the Steelers win. And guess what? Last year was the only time TJ White did not play the full so, season. So he drives the boat. He drives the boat. And now you give him other guys who can help get pressure. You got you brought some veteran presence in the secondary. The Steelers are gonna be really good, man. I'll tell you that. Like nine and eight, I think is absolutely no question they're gonna go nine and eight. I mean, the end of the year on a four and one record, it's the end of the year hot. And 
they're better now. Like they 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 fixed the holes again. The linebackers maybe a question, but all the guys they have there, the two veterans they brought in are really good in their own right. So I just expect them to be good. Why would they not be good for the Pittsburgh? And then your secondary could be question. There could be some questions there, but you bring in Peterson and you draft quarter. So now you have two good corners. You, that should fill the Cam Sutton role. Um, I just I and I just expect Kenny Tuglov Pickett to make a step up because to me he ended the year playing good. I think ten and seven is is probably where they're going to end up. Nine and eight definitely. So I'm taking them over eight and a half and over nine. Um, and if they have nine and a half, I'd probably take that too because I just they're gonna if they split split the whole division, which I think is probably going to happen, they're there. So Ryan, what's your final division rankings? Because I know we we're a little bit different. But what's your final division rankings? I got Ravens. Bengals, Steelers, Browns. All right. And I have the Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. I've only have one switch. And the thing is, we both have the Browns going down an eight at worst. So, like, we're talking this could be, like, 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 10 and 7, 9 and 8. And it's like, damn, that's a really good overall division. It's going to be really tough. So, um, in conclusion, this is really good football teams. They're, they're all really good football teams. Ryan, I have one note to mention around the league. I know you also have a quick note. Dalvin Cook wants to hook up with D-Hop. Now, where could they land Ryan? Because Dalvin's going to bring in, what, $14 million? And D-Hop's probably going to want That's at least $14 million. Yeah, I was going to say, like, 12 So Dalvin's 12 D-Hop 14 That's 26 It's only three teams that have over $25 million left in cash. And, and one of those teams is uh, DeAndre Hopkins' old team. So that's not going to happen. No, and that's the Cardinals, and they're going to stink. And Panthers could be a really interesting spot. Panthers could be a really interesting spot if Cook went to the Panthers. Because the Panthers are a division that I know you have Atlanta winning that, but I have them winning the division. If both of them went there, that that puts them in the driver's seat. And the other team is the Chicago with $32 million. Now, if they both went to Chicago, that would also – that would be Justin Field would have that, – That stirs the pot. That stirs the NFC North and the whole NFC. But then it just completely falls on Justin Fields' shoulders. Now you have no excuse not to be good. Oh, 100%. But are they willing to take pay cuts? That's the big question. I mean, this, for Chicago, they would be able to probably both get paid but if Chicago, they want. Chicago's not shelling out that much money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if, if, they had a better, if they had a better feeling on Justin Fields, I, feel, I think they would. But I think just like us, they have questions about Justin Fields. That's why they, they're unwilling to shell out at the moment. I just found it interesting. You finally have you have NFL guys saying, I want to play with this guy. I want to play with that guy. It's interesting. Two big-name free agents. We'll see what happens with them. Now, Ryan, you, I know you got a quick uh, quick little story to mention. We have to mention it. It's annoying because it's coming from New England. Um, but I'll let you take it away. Yes, our, our dear friend Jack Jones decided it was a good idea to bring two loaded guns into Logan. So he is Logan Airport for people who Logan, don't know what that is. Everyone, yeah. So he's now getting hit with two counts of each of these charges because it was two guns. So he's getting hit with possession of a concealed weapon in a secured area of an airport, possession of ammunition without a firearms card, unlawful possession of a firearm, and carrying a loaded firearm with possession of a large capacity feeding device. Now, mind you, this was through TSA security. These were in his checked bags. Idiot. Why he thought this was a good idea, I don't know. 
I Tobias said they weren't like in a lock. It wasn't like he had them in a lockbox, right? He just they were just in his. Yeah, they, were just in, they were just in his carry on. Like idiot, man. Like at least so. if he, I, I'm not saying it's any better, but if he had in a lockbox, it's like all right, well, like. But again, he doesn't have ID cards from. Just, he's also uh, like he's also a felon. He got arrested when he was at ASU, at Arizona State. So. Uh, it's just that's good. That's very good. I don't oh, expect to see him on the team. Felonies. So um, he's most likely looking at jail time. And uh, Christian Gonzalez, you are definitely cornerback one in New England. Yep. Yeah, idiot. <laughs> but um, Ryan, is that all you got? Because I got one last little thing to say before I can wrap up. That's that's all I got. Awesome. So I want to thank everyone for listening. As always, um, please follow us on Spotify and Apple. We. Give us a five-star rating, or you can give us a four-star rating if you don't like us that much, but we would really appreciate five. Five-star. Give us the five. Really appreciate it. Follow us on Apple as well. Really appreciate it. Please also follow our Instagram as we've been putting out a bunch of polls and a bunch of poll questions. And also answer the polls I put on with Spotify and uh, if I have any questions. We love. We've been reading those answers. Um, I get more people have been responding to the polls over the questions, but I've incorporated questions now going forward with these episodes. So definitely check those out. But um, on that note, thank you again for listening. My name is Dave. And I'm Ryan. Again, thank you everyone for listening. And have a great day. Oink, oink.